Welcome to the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Matt Richards, and in this episode, I have a conversation with Rick Prosser of kingdomworks.org.au. And we talk about unity in the body with other churches, reaching out and ministering to people with other churches in our community. But also we talk about how we can reach marginalized, exploited, and the mostly unseen people in our communities with the love of Christ being his hands and feet. So sit back, enjoy the watch or the listen, and we'll see you on the other side. Rick, it is good to have you here. Thanks for joining me today. It's good to be with you, Matt. Good. So Rick, um, this is our first time meeting. So I've, I've talked to you a little bit about who I am. Can you, can you kind of tell us who you are and kind of give us your story on um, where you're at, what kind of um, where you're at uh, with kind of your lifestyle with Jesus Christ, when it started, how, and how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm um, born and bred in Newcastle, Australia. And so for uh, our international friends and pioneer, that's about two hours drive north of Sydney. And um, it's my hometown and I uh, love the city. I came to Christ uh, at the age of 18 um, through some pretty unusual circumstances. I was in a little bit of strife. Mum and Dad had started going to church just a few years before. And uh, Dad had uh, caught me with some illegal substances and uh, uh, was about to march me down to the police station. Then he starts sharing the, sharing all this stuff about the Lord. And I just thought, I've done some stupid things, but I wasn't stupid, you know. And I thought, well, if I go along with him, uh, I might get out of this strife I'm in. And sure enough, in the lounge room that day, uh, I prayed a prayer and uh, received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I had no idea what that meant. Um, but mum and dad had a, um, a home group uh, in the home. And so two things that changed in the next 12 months was I went to church each Sunday morning and uh, I went to home group on a Wednesday evening. And that's uh, interesting, you know, was, um, you know, the Lord's just working everywhere in all things. And uh, dad was new to the Lord. He just uh, threw out this phrase, look, if you just read a little bit of the Bible uh, each day, uh, that'll help you. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, usually it does, actually. Yeah. And so I just read a little bit and the work of the Holy Spirit just continued to uh, impress upon me. And it was about 12 months later, I thought, well, gee, if uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a believer, you know, so I really dedicated, committed my life to the Lord. And it was at that time I really felt called, actually. I felt like, gee, um, you know, if this is if this is what it is, if this is the good news and Jesus did what he did, um, then the very least I can do is give everything. And so at that point in time, I knew somewhere, somehow um, I'd be serving the Lord in a in a foolish capacity. And, uh, you know, so, you know, fast forward now, um, I'm a little bit older, a little bit greyer. And um, but, you know, I, I, I've just continued to um, follow the Lord. Um, haven't really been ambitious for the for positions and places. Um, and it would be fair to say I've just stumbled into them um, or they've just opened up and I've just been present and uh, very thankful um, for um, everything that the Lord's done in my life over those many years and met my wife was first lady I met in church and um, we've got four beautiful kids and a few grandkids now and uh, still residing in the city of Newcastle and uh, feel deeply called to uh, the city and the place uh, that we live. And so a little bit about um, where and how we come to the Lord. 
That's cool. I like how you said, you said, if I'm a believer, I guess I can give my all to it. You know, yeah, look, it's um, put everything into it. Well, look, I, I was an apprentice at the time and, um, and I was a pastry cook and apprentice. And um, I was asked by um, my manager um, not long after, I think I was about 19. And look, I was surfacing as someone who was carrying responsibility and um, uh, in the management area. And, you know, I, I developed that sort of um, um, skill base. And, uh, and they asked me, I think I was probably about 20. They asked me, what do you want to do in the future? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And I looked at an old tradie down there in the, um, in the bakery and he was about 60 and he was just working his heart out. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, but I know what I don't want to do. I said, uh, see that fella down there? I don't want to be doing that at that age. <laughs> and I just said, oh, look, I, I, look, I come to the Lord. I, I, I love Jesus. And, um, I do feel somewhere I might end up being a missionary. <laughs> and so I didn't, I was new in the Lord and I didn't even really know what that meant. Uh, only that it was a, it was a full sacrifice. And I think that's really helpful, you know, to navigate your calling and purposes. If you identify what you don't want to do, <laughs> then more or less it opens up what, what, what you're passionate about and what you've called to. And yeah. so that's probably been the story of my life, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Sometimes uh, God, uh, when you say, oh, I really don't want to do that, he's like, ah, wait and see, wait and see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> you know, like my wife, when we first started uh, our, our youth outreach, she's like, I don't want to no, know. I don't want to do that. No, no. And it took her like six weeks to really come along. And she's like, this was the best thing we ever decided to do. We, yeah. we were hearing God when we did that. So, yeah, it's, it's cool when we, when we just give him everything, he can work with it instead of holding yeah, and back, that's well, really I'll give you this and I won't give you this or and that's that's really how it emerged actually um you know I had pretty quickly when I'd given my life to the Lord fully um well I had Friday nights free then I wasn't going out with the fellas and um and uh you know mum just said well why don't you go down and help uh, the youth leader on a Friday night and uh so that's what we did well I did and um you know just served you know bought whatever needed to be purchased and set up and packed up and cleaned up and all those sort of things. And, um, uh, you know, so youth ministry was a massive part of our landscape for 15, 20 years. Um, and uh, it was just a tremendous thrill and privilege uh, to see many, many kids come to the Lord and, and, and grow in the things of God. And, and, and again, uh, you know, I wasn't trained, um, but, um, yeah, you just learn through the experiences and you end up learning from other people and um, just a tremendous thrill. Yeah, I, I think youth ministry is is probably one of the hardest ministries to be in because you always have to be on because those kids are emotional roller coasters. Their life is good, their life is bad. They have a boyfriend, they don't have a boyfriend. They you know they have a boyfriend one minute, they don't have the next minute, and it's just like you're it, it's a never ending. You know, I remember as. Uh, a youth leader when we were running our outreach here, we'd have kids that show up, we'd wake up in the morning and they'd be sleeping in our entryway on the floor because something bad happened at the parents' house and they just had to get out of there. And just, it yeah. was, it, it's, that is a ministry that you have, the, they're so impressionable and so trying to be their own person at that moment that we have that 12 to, to 16 mm -hmm. age range where we can really get them before they are, 
either pulled into the kingdom or they're out running the world and out trying to 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 be like the world yeah fully and 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 back in uh the days when we were doing i mean there was no social medias and stuff like that and all those things have impacted um younger generation tremendously and and to be honest a lot of it not really positively um but you know my wife she's a great evangelist and loves anyone and everyone and um you know we had a number of people staying in our house over those years that's for sure yeah it's uh so uh, sometimes I miss them and sometimes I don't miss them. Those uh, up till three in the morning conversations, <laughs> trying to uh, get everybody back into one mind, into the right mindset and stuff like that. But yeah, it is definitely a, um, it, it, uh, I have a lot of respect for the leaders in our church that are doing youth ministry and doing that counseling and that kind of stuff right now. So. Uh, look, it's a great calling and, uh, and we it need is. people in it that is. space and that place. And, um, yeah, I remember when I first got asked to come on as the youth pastor at our home church and, um, you know, I'd read a few of the stats, how long most pastors last and then youth pastors was less. Yeah. And, um, there and then I just said, look, I'll commit five years straight up. And, uh, knowing that, that, um, potentially could have, um, borne more fruit. Um, and, pro and I was like a lot of things, the longer you're in it, uh, and if you're learning, uh, while you're in it, um, you just become better at it. And so big shout out to all our youth leaders and youth pastors, uh, the Pioneer Network. It is a highly significant part and place, uh, in the family, um, ministering to these demographics and, um, and what you can speak into their lives and impart into their lives. Uh, they will not get anywhere else. Even if they're from great Christian homes, um, you will bring life and energy and the impression that you make on it. I love that, Matt. The impression you make on it, on, on these young people, uh, will echo throughout their entire lives. And uh, so never underestimate those 3 a.m. up late uh, trying to talk to young people. Or uh, it, yeah. it's, it, there's, there's significant moments in those moments. Yeah, I, I find that 100% true because... Um, you know, we're a small church for us and, but our deacons are all, are, they're now adults and they were our youth kids They're They've got their own families. They're, you know, our pastoral deacons and they're, they're learning and, and growing in their giftings. And we have organizational deacons that they were 15, 16 years old in our youth group. And one of our deacons yeah. is actually our next door neighbor's son. And he was 12 or 11 when we met him. And, but it's just Amazing. the, the, the amount of impact you can have on a young person's life by just spending that time listening to them. You may not even tell them anything from the word of God, but just having that, um, that ear to listen, um, yeah. gives it, them it, it, the, the trust. I mean, just recently, um, you, we've appointed new lead pastors in our home church. Well, the church that we're part of and the Pioneer Network Life Church in Newcastle. Okay. And, um, and the couple uh, that have taken a leadership, um, uh, Jake, the, the the fella in the uh, relationship, is um, well. He came to the Lord at one of our youth conferences <laughs> years ago, and um, he was mad as a cut snake. I mean, gosh, um, he's still he's still a little bit on the edge, but uh, that's what we want. We want you know one of our distinctives is to be adventurous, and he's certainly got the adventurous spirit that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but come yeah. the Lord uh, at a youth conference, and um, and uh, you know he was discipled well by a number of others around him, and uh, he loves the Lord. It's awesome. Yeah, 
Yep. That that's youth leaders are a different breed of people. We may not, they may not be a hundred percent sane either. Some of the th things that they, they will do to get kids to come to church. So you never know, but so, uh, well, what, um, what we, yeah. So, yeah. So what now I've, I, I went to your website and, um, kingdom works and okay. kingdom, kingdomworks.org.au. And I was looking at, you know, you run a, a weekly radio program is that correct yeah yeah so uh, tell us tell me a little bit about that yeah look kingdom works um is a um an entity in the city that i lead and um really looking to foster uh unity um in the body of christ uh, throughout our region and so it was established um uh, many years ago um, in the city by a number of pastors and I took up the leadership of that about probably 15 or 16 years ago now um, and so just one of the um, places of um, communication I mean I mean this is what I love about Pioneer is um, is the kingdom orientation um, yeah. that's highly valued throughout the Pioneer network and I know it's throughout the network it's significant um and then the um you know one of our distinctives is the unity body of christ and that was really something that synchronized tremendously with me when we met billy kennedy well about a decade ago now um and so this is not a message that's being uh, echoed uh, tremendously uh, in many churches um and if it is you know, it's probably in the context of that particular church or that network or denomination. And so, uh, you know, a friend of mine um, said, you look, Rick, and I was praying. I said, Lord, how can I get the message out? How, how can we uh, do things that's going to um, just continue to elevate um, uh, the church, the unity of the church and what the church is doing? And so he said, um, he suggested this, and I met up at a local Christian radio station. That was oh, well over a decade, or well, a decade ago now. Um, and so we just connect with uh, locals in the main. Um, it's amazing and astonishing uh, what the church is doing uh, in their community. And I say to ministers, um, probably not often enough, you can confidently hop up before your people on a Sunday and um, talk about uh, the work of the church. You can speak confidently that uh, the marginalised are being helped, they're being fed, they're being housed. Uh, we're working with people in addiction programs in prison. We're working with mums and bubs groups. We're mending marriages. We're coaching people. Uh, you know, we're doing all this sort of stuff in aged care everywhere. And some of them look at me a little bit strange. What are you talking about, Rick? We're, I, 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 we're not doing that. And so when you think about that in the context of your gathering, you may not be doing it, but the church is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that's the beauty of the church. Uh, we're all gifted and graced uh, differently. Um, and there's great power when we acknowledge one another and the grace and gifting on one another. And we can be liberated in that place uh, when we champion one another uh, in, what, in what they're doing. Uh, and what they're graced for and what they're gifted in. Um, and so, and partnering with one another too is just a, a, an easy thing. We don't have to create. Uh, it's probable in our towns and cities right around our gatherings and where the Lord's placed us, 
the Lord's doing something beautiful in a space and a place you would hope to be by other believers. And uh, rather than create uh, and own everything, you know, we can we can um, steward uh, what we have and the people around us um, to into a bigger place, a kingdom um, expression uh, into our city, partnering with one another. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think looking for those opportunities to partner, um, you know, the whole kingdom minded mindset that we talk about with Pioneer is how do we bring heaven to earth? You know, right. how do we how do we feed the poor? How do we uh, clothe them? How do we give them the good news of the gospel? Um, and I think having that mindset is what I think all churches should have because they're the church of Jesus Christ. You know, we're, if we're the church, we should have that mindset of how do we bring um, the good news to people? How do we do what Jesus said and taking care of the poor? Cause they'll always be with you. How do you do that? Um, for us, we've, we've really tried to do that in a lot of different ways. Um, and we can talk, we can talk about this a little bit more when we get into, uh, we'll talk about unity a little bit more, but we've, we've really tried to get a coalition of churches going get in a coalition of churches in the area going to, to, you know, whether if you're good at this, you take care of this. If you're good at, you know, having a food bank pantry, whatever you, you, you do that. But, um, that can be a tough, that can be a tough, um, thing to get going too. Uh, look, it's inevitably, it's just easier to do what we want to do by ourselves. It's in, in many respects, it's easier. And, um, um, but everyone, of us as church leaders, uh, we want to be engaged with community somewhere uh, and somehow. And uh, the easiest point of engagement, when there's trusted relationships in the body of Christ uh, and friendships are developing, um, it's just easy to partner. Um, you know, when yeah, you love and trust um, someone else, um, you know, you it's just easy. Uh, and, it's, and it's a pleasure and it's a delight. And the beauty of it is, you can mobilize more people um, and you're not carrying all the responsibilities. You're not carrying all the burdens. I love what one of my mentors says. This is uh, Rick, our vision is to get them into their vision. Um, and it's yeah. probable uh, there's some people in our gatherings that um, feel deeply called into the pain of our community, into the deep needs of our community. So to release them um, whilst we're, um, whilst they're under our care, um, in some way, shape or form to be missionally engaged somewhere in the community with someone else liberates them and you'll keep them. Um, yeah. And so it's just a, 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 well, it's just kingdom, you know, it's yeah. just, um, uh, it's, it's easy when, when, when we operate from a bigger paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think when we, when we have a, um, a wider view, a wide angle uh, view of the kingdom, instead of that narrow view of the kingdom, um, I think too many people look at, at scripture and say, well, Jesus said that's a narrow path. Well, it's a narrow path yeah. with a broad view. It doesn't mean that we're looking down at the path only. That means we're walking that path and expanding our view to see what's in the way. Um, kind of reminds me of the Good Samaritan. You know, that guy was on the path, but he had a, a, a view enough to see ahead of him or to see that man alongside the road and to say, how do we, how do we take care of his needs? And how do we um, facilitate that to get him to where he needs to be, whether it's his physical needs or if it's someone we meet in getting their emotional or, or spiritual needs met. 
Look, exactly. And um, I think that's the great challenge. We can get bogged down in our responsibilities and, and, and the challenges of day to day. But to have that broad view or that helicopter perspective of what's happening around your city, um, I feel it's um, it's a liberating place. Um, you know, for too long, the church, um, the diversity of the church has been our point of difference and it should be our place of celebration. And um, And when we get this bigger, broader perspective, um, it's just magnificent. Um, what we're a part of and what the Lord's called us to um, is astonishing. Um, and it's bigger, far bigger than what we can even see and broader. And um, I'm always astonished. I'm always learning. I've been doing some stuff around here for over a decade, well, much longer. And I'm always learning and, and, and discovering um, people that are missionally engaged, largely at a lay leadership level, um, that have been empowered by their church leaders. And uh, it's just fascinating and beautiful. And I think that's the, the expression of the church is bringing beauty to our community. Um, and certainly that manifests when we're doing it together in unity and oneness. That, that's really good. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit about your church? You were telling me a little bit about it just a couple minutes ago. Um, what, what was the church again? Yeah, Life Church, um, right in the uh, city centre of Newcastle. Um, it's a, it's a great little church and, um, it's heavily engaged in community. Our, uh, missional expression is, um, through Soul Cafe, which we're about to rebrand, Soul Hub, um, that, um, just works with the poor, the needy and the vulnerable, um, every day, uh, we're open, um, and, um, you know, I've just, just discovered in, in, in that journey that, um, the Lord is present um with in brokenness um the marginalized those that can't speak up for themselves those that find themselves in addiction mental health challenges um you know just to, that in many respects if you or i were to find ourselves in their place it'd be a living nightmare um but the lord's present yeah. um and um and his provision um, flows in those places. That's our uh, experience. And so our missional work um, revolves around a meal. Um, and the table is really, it's the sacred place of um, conversation and transparency, openness and vulnerability. And uh, that's where we discover um, more needs. Um, and we're able to help. And we would call it a convergence of help where we bring in a whole lot of other things. Um, you know, whether those be um, our doctor's clinic, podiatrist, uh, hearing specialist, dental work, recovery programs, uh, help them with other services, housing, all those sorts of things um, have just emerged. And, um, uh, yeah, it's beautiful, actually. And um, and uh, that's all the expression of the local church and their community, wonderfully supported by the community, funded by the community. Um, the volunteer base is enormous. Um, and uh, they just keep flowing in. We don't need to. I, mean, I think that's one of the, uh, you know, there's a misperception that when you lean into this space um, in your community, that it becomes a burden on the church. Mm. Um, you know, either financially or where your people thin, you're always asking people for volunteers, all that sort of stuff. And it's just not been our experience at all. That's awesome. Um, no, you know, I, we, I agree with you on that. I, I think we get so um, 
worried about asking people to do things in church, you know, I, um, you know, oh, I, they serve, but do we want to ask them to serve another day, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's just giving them the opportunity to serve is, is the best part of it. I think giving them the opportunity is the best part of it because then they can experience um, the joy of giving to someone who is in need or um, watching someone else's needs be taken care of and just having an active part in that. And, and it, it make, and then it also gives us the reality of how good the Lord has been to us and the the blessings we have when we're serving, like you said, the marginalized and the down and out and the and the poor and the homeless to to be thankful for what we do have and where God has brought us to from and where we are at now too uh exactly and um yeah ninety 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 five percent of our volunteers that are over two hundred um, are outside the church they're from the community. And um, and they just keep coming to us, and and um, you know we've discovered um, a tremendous liberty in that. Um, and I think you're exactly right when we engage with um, this demographic of our community. It just gives us a greater appreciation of how good things really are for us. Um, but also, it activates and mobilises people outside the church. And we would say that we engage with, I mean, you know, when the churches seem to be doing really cool things, people want to engage with that. And I just really sense that we tapped, we've tapped into the image of God in people. And so they may not, well, most of them aren't believers, um, but they are created in the image of God. And um, I think it's the God image surfacing in people. um, And we were created to help people. We're created to build into um, people and into the fabric of our community. And um, so, you know, we, that's been our discovery uh, and it's beautiful, uh, amazing. So we would have, um, you know, professionals volunteering all the way through to guests coming through uh, Seoul and everything in between. And it's wonderful. And the beautiful thing is when we engage with local schools um, and parents get their kids involved, um, you know, it's it. You could just um, reshape the trajectory of their life just by the experience and the conversations they have with some of our guests. Very powerful. Yeah, um, I think I think Billy said in one of the episodes him and I did in the podcast we talk about you know uh, social justice and feeding the poor and social programs. Some people refer to it as painting the pig pen or something like that. And he said, but it's not true because um, we, we have to have social outreach, social programs for these people that are in need, but we also have to mix it with the gospel. And sometimes we may not be able to, sometimes it may just be the handout for them and say, here is the food, or here's the clothing you need. And we may not be able to get to minister to them. But the the fact that we're meeting a physical need, they're more likely to come back and reach out with a spiritual need or uh, an emotional need that they have, and uh, then allow us to pray with them, um, you know, or, or lead them to Christ. And I think without giving 
you know, we, we try I think too many times we try to get someone in the first time when they're in the, the homeless shelter or the, the food line and we, we got to get them saved and out the door the first time. And I, and I, I, yes, we want them to be born again, but I think spending that time with that person because trying to get them born again, the first time we don't know if they've been through uh, spiritual abuse, you know, whatever. Yeah. So they may have a harsh view of, of who Jesus is and, and who he actually is in their life. Uh, totally. Um, and that's absolutely right. And I think learning people's story, and that's where the conversation for us around the table and the meal is, um, is vitally important um, and allowing them to open up if they, if they choose to. And it's interesting, you, you know, a holistic uh, approach um, to this sort of work, um, even acknowledged by our government, that there's a spiritual well-being as part of the holistic yeah. approach. And so it's not just physical, yeah. emotional, social, but there's a spiritual fabric. And that's just that's acknowledged in Australia by our, our governing bodies. Um, so there is opportunity for spiritual conversations for us uh, in that world. Uh, but understanding their journey and... Um, and many um, have experienced that uh, some sort of abuse um, in in their background, and so it's um, it is a journey. Um, it was interesting. I just heard a testimony of um, a member of our church um, just recently, and uh, it took him three years <laughs> to discover uh, Jesus. He was accepted into the community, and I think that's what we're building is 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 community, and we use language like family. Um, just to help relate. And so the people that we would serve, we would call them our guests. Um, and so yeah. whilst he experienced acceptance and value in that community, it still took him three years to get this Jesus thing. Um, and so, you know, it's not something that, um, you know, we're looking for quick um, results on, particularly when it comes to the things of God and bringing people to Christ. Um, it is a journey. Uh, it's a journey of discovery and we do what we can do and the Holy Spirit breathes on things and in people and on people uh, just to illuminate his goodness and kindness uh, and grace. And um, it's amazing what can happen. Transformation can emerge. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was thinking about that and I think. Sometimes we become so calloused as Christians, we forget where we came from. Um, not that we try to become callous, but I think we just forget about how good his grace was for us and how, where he brought us from. Even if you weren't the worst of sinners, you were still a sinner. And I think we forget the the weight of sin and the weight of his redemption and his his blood washing it away from us. And I think when we do that, sometimes we can forget about the marginalized people, the um, the people that are really in need of a savior, but because we see them in such bad situations or, um, hmm. you know, poor light, uh, we can tend to be almost like the, almost like the Pharisees sometimes where we can, we can be a little callous to the, the plight of a human being because we are like, we've forgotten how, how weighty our sin was in the, in the cost of, of his blood for us. Uh, I, I think is that's that, why that makes sense. 
Uh, I think that's why it's critical for us as as um, Christian leaders to engage with the vulnerable in the community. It's somewhere you may not have that in the fabric of your uh, of your gatherings and your churches and and, and so on, but it's somewhere in the city. Uh, I think it's critical um, that we engage with as Jesus did tremendously and wonderfully. Um, you know, we we, we use a, addictions and and they're prolific. Um, addictions just cause people to become someone they're not and so we would um you know be very mindful that the chapter of the life that we're reading today there's been many chapters that have formed this one previously uh and there's tragedy there's trauma there's mistakes there's a whole bunch of different things and um i think you're exactly right if we can view people through the lens of christ um, then we see them differently and uh, we have a greater appreciation. I, I have no doubt that Jesus would be at ease sitting in our dining room with our guests. Um, he would probably go there um, as, as a meal if he was walking the earth today um, to yeah. to connect with humanity. And, um, you know, so it's not it, it, it's it's all of humanity. And we, and yeah. I think that's the beauty. So we we can position and place ourselves to be exposed to that a little bit more. And I, th I feel we should actually um, some way, shape or form. You don't need to do that every day, of course. Um, but also the Lord's graced um, many people to uh, be working and ministering to people that, that have everything. Uh, but what we know and what we've discovered is that um, humanity carries brokenness. And that is not, that is indiscriminate. <laughs> It is across the board. The reality is that uh, the vulnerable can't cover it up as well. Uh, they can't hide it. Yeah. It's very visible for them um, in, in, in how they carry themselves and what they wear and how they smell and the language they use. But um, uh, it would be fair to say we've got, we've got people in our community that are very well off and yet deeply broken and um That's but it true. just doesn't look that way but it, it certainly is the case absolutely yeah i think um yeah I, I i look at the bible and you can really see the um the brokenness of people you uh, and here's the thing is there was drug addiction back then it might be a different forms it may not have been the same thing but you look at it Jesus was dealing with people who were outcast because of leprosy. They were dealing, he was dealing with people who were issue of blood and they were unclean and, you know, um, due to, um, you know, the law and the unclean then uh, to that, to the people then are no different than the people we have now, except through the lens of Jesus Christ and not the old, old covenant. And so when we look at them, we have to use, the new covenant, the new, uh, the blood of Jesus to see them with open hearts and open minds so we can minister to them. Um, for exactly. us, we're in a poor, we're in a very poor area. I mean, we're, we're one of the poor counties. Um, one of the, the, our county that's right, basically two miles down the road is one of the most poor counties, like top five poor counties in our, in our state. And so hmm. a lot of homelessness, right. um, you'll have three or four families living in a three bedroom house. And, you know, yep. so there's a lot of, of drug addiction, uh, methamphetamines and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, 
it's once a month at least that we get somebody, you know, and it's not a, a huge area, but we've got people coming in that we've met them one time and one guy comes in and he goes, I'm high as a kite right now and I feel good. He's, and he sat down and he listened and uh, we gave him a coat and, and just, you know, prayed with him and asked him if we could do anything for him, gave him a little bit of food after service. And we, he went out and have we seen him again? No, but I'm hoping that the sustenance we gave him, the coat we gave him will do something for him to help him, you know, continue on in his life and and maybe he will meet jesus i don't know i don't know he he might have been he might have had a relationship with jesus but you know life happens sometime and i think it's hard for people sometimes to to break out of addiction and and do those things but just spending that time and and you know sometimes it can be awkward sometimes it can be tough to to know what to say because you know when you're dealing with that but i think it's just allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide you. And it may not be a whole lot. It may just be sitting next to them and just asking them their name. But I think allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and, and to lead us in those moments is, is how we can help them um, become uh, closer to Christ and maybe start having a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Our, our, um, our learning is um, that many um, vulnerable persons in our community are, are helped somewhere, uh, somehow by the church. Um, of course, there's agencies around and government agencies yeah. and uh, all those sorts of things as well. Um, but uh, the the church is present, and uh, I think that um, our discovery is that many of them are, are very close to the Lord and uh, and open to the Lord, yeah. but. Um, you know, our language is important um, to to connect with them so that we're not speaking an in-house church language, if you like, with uh, yeah. words that um, yeah. some of us don't even understand ourselves. It just becomes church culture. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, all yeah, those using, sort of things yeah. are important. Yeah. You, using the word propitiation is not probably the best word to try to describe Christ and what he did on the cross to someone who might be strung out and not quite understanding what, what that is. I, I think using the churchese, you know, language, um, we have to stop using that in society. We have to start to talk in real plain talk. Um, I think it will help uh, people understand who God is better than using the, the glorified church words that we try to speak when exactly. we're together as believers. Look, and um, look, I, I don't know what it's, like in the fabric um, of many countries, uh, the church, uh, but over in Australia, uh, it would be fair to say that um, historically we've done a really poor job at representing a good God. And, um, you know, so in many respects, um, people in a community can be a little bit sceptical of the church. There's hurt by the, uh, that the yeah. church has caused. Uh, through a whole bunch of different types of abuse and 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 so on. So, you know, we we, we got to redeem all that sort of stuff, and um, that's where um, for us, just the consistent presence every day, day in and day out, um, has enabling us to just create different platforms and levels of engagement with our community uh, throughout, whether that be our vulnerable or uh, you know the business community and. Uh, you know, political landscape as well. It's all 
it's all relevant and um i think that's the beauty of 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 the church when we talk about unity in the kingdom is that um, there are segments of the church that are heavily engaged doing significant things um, and of course there's tremendous um, expression of the church that may not be um, heavily engaged in community but they, they, they've been doing really good things whole places that are bringing healing and hope and deliverance to people's lives and yeah. uh, I mean I think that's the beauty that the, and, and, and one of the harsh realities in our nation is um, we, we're not in a place, the church is not in the place where it was a decade ago or two decades ago. Um, and, you know, if you go back into our history, you, you know, a number of decades ago where it was commonplace to go to church. Uh, well, that's not the landscape uh, of our nation anymore. Uh, and, and so we're not from that playing field. So, um, that's why I, I think that our engagement with community is, is very significant. And then the language that we bring into that engagement um, can really enable us to build bridges uh, into the community and with people from all walks of life. They may not be people of faith, but we can journey at them. Most politicians, for example, um, you know, they're not, they're not all people of faith, but they are people of value and they do love their communities. And so when we can find that value um, and, 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 and the love for our community uh, and our city, then we can journey well uh, into the future. There's no doubt about that. That's good. I really like that. That's really good. Yeah, just having, that, having the heart to reach out. Um, I, think, I think having that mindset of, of reaching out and, and reaching the lost in any area we can find them is, is kind of a lost art form in churches today. And I think we need to start to, uh, relook at scripture, relook at the gospels and, and start to start to pick up that characteristic in a lot of churches. Um, and I, and I'm thinking of ways in our own church that we can say, Hey, how do you, how do we reach people? Um, we did this a couple years ago and we just started a necessities pantry as shampoo, conditioner, soap, um, feminine products, um, during the yeah. winter mittens and hats and just yeah. si simple things. But it's like, it adds so much to the community. You, you know, uh, the people who host it, they're like, yeah, kids will come by and get a pair of gloves or get a hat if they don't have a hat. And, you know, you see elderly people coming by and picking up, you know, a few of the necessities, some extra soap or, you know, whatever it is. And it's just like, it does the heart good. It brings joy to know that we can help somebody that you know that may need the the basic elements to live and i just it just i don't know it's just it it makes me happy and i know it makes god happy and brings him joy to see that people's needs are taken care of so i just i love that it's so good but yeah i think um you know it, it, it's important that the church does that but then you know i think it's also important um that we acknowledge that um, we want to mobilize our people yeah. to do what's graced on them. And I think I, I love that whole deal about equipping uh, our people for in all spheres of life. And, um, you know, I think that if we're open uh, to allowing um, vision to surface through our people, um, you know, we may see a whole lot more things emerge. And so sometimes it's not necessarily the model that 
the church, you know, is is doing everything but equipping our people and empowering our people that know your life can contribute. Uh, and perhaps the calling on your life and the grace and the gifting and the purposes God's placed on your life could be um, the thing that causes things to surface for others and our church or our gathering and the body of Christ in our city. And so I think that casting that sort of um, vision to our people is really, really important, that it's not necessarily the church leaders per se um, and their articulation of vision, although that will happen and does happen and that should be supported and validated, of course. Uh, But I wonder if the emerging lay leadership uh, in our churches and empowering them uh, could release a whole lot more into our community as well. Um, those that are engaged in the workplace and business and so on, we just you, you can have just tremendous impact. And that example that you used around uh, hygiene products, um, you, you, it is quite easy uh, to mobilise uh, your workplace, uh, your school, uh, into initiatives that would um, raise that sort of support and gather those sort of items um, that may give to a work in the city or establish something in your community. And uh, I think that's the, the uh, as, as church leaders, I think we need to be released from being uh, the people that have to do everything or come up with everything, yeah, uh, but allow vision true. to surface and bubble up and uh, look to release uh, that, in our midst, uh, I think would be wonderful. Yeah, I like that. I, and I think that is the key is, is, and I don't know what it's like over there, but here it's like the pastor is everything to everyone. Right. And we found that that is the most detrimental thing to the church in a lot of ways that my wife and I have to be everything to everyone. My wife, right. good at having those those conversations. Me, not a very good counselor. I'm like, hey, we'll get through this. Here's a couple of scriptures. Let's get going, you know. And and yeah. I can't imagine trying to, without her gifting, trying for me to counsel people. We wouldn't have the people in the church. They'd be like, I'm so mad at him. He just told me it'll be good, and you can just keep going. And and um, but allowing other people's giftings in the church to flourish you know and we learned that we tried doing a lot of it and we got to the point where you know once we hit about 35 to 40 people we realized we cannot sustain us talking to everybody and trying to to do this and and that point we said we need other people in the church to start doing that and we started to figure out the people that had the callings the giftings the charismatic giftings that god has placed in them and said you're good at this. We see you. You're, uh, you're go do what you, what God is calling you to do. And, you know, just giving them direction, giving them, you know, good leadership, but giving them um, the freedom to operate in the giftings that God has called them to, to be in is I think probably the, the biggest thing that we really try to do because when you, when you try to hold everything together as, as one leader or a, a husband and wife leading and trying to do everything yourself, you're just setting yourself up for failure and burnout and different things like that. But you're setting your church up yeah. to not get and receive what the body needs from, from the leadership well, of the lay people. 
yeah, and it's just not sustainable. You'll wear out and burn out, and it's not even biblical, to be honest. I mean, gosh. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think that um, one of the beauties and, you know, the role of women in leadership um, and engagement, um, you know, whether that be in church leadership, community leadership, outreach, um, whatever it looks like, what, what we've discovered is that um, it's the women that feel the pain of our community. Yes. <laughs> we can all see it, but they feel it. Yeah, at a do. deeper level. Um, and our discovery is that um, women just tend to get on with it a little bit um, quicker. Um, you know, they're not yeah. talking about it too much. They just want to be activated. Um, you know, we've seen um, in our community uh, through lay leadership, um, somebody that's um, had a heart and a passion and uh, to reach out to the sex workers in the industry. Um, yeah, and, I, I um, saw a video on Kingdom Works website for that. The oh, well, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, Rahab. Yeah, that's an amazing, amazing video. And I'm gonna actually, I'll post a link to that in um, when we do this pot when we release this podcast. I'll actually post a link to that video um, from Kingdom Works because I think that's that's an amazing video to see. Yeah, I think I think that um, what we've we stumbled on a, uh, with that illustration of, of Rahab is that, you know, every community's got those establishments, uh, whether they be above ground or underground um, in, in the sec with sex workers and um, largely the women that are in, in those spaces and places. Um, you know, in our city, they're prolific, they're everywhere. Um, and so not one church can reach out to all of them yeah. Um, but when we take that bigger perspective of kingdom and work with the church, um, you know, we know that there are um, women and, and, and for that ministry in our city, it's women that are engaged that are at the coalface. Um, there are people sitting in our pews that have a heart and passion for this yeah. uh, and, a, and a calling. And so, you know, really quickly, you know, once uh, uh, somebody surfaced a champion, uh, that carried the vision for that, um, you know, we just um, did what we could to encourage and resource where we could and elevate. Um, and really quickly, it went from two ladies uh, to a team of, um, well, two teams of 15 now. Wow, um, that's incredible. And, and, and they're going out, you know, fortnightly and visiting. And and so, you know, but again, that sort of work, it's, um, it's, it's unique. Um, I think it's it's critical that those sort of things surface in our communities yeah. uh, by the church and, and, and through the church. And, and it's not that hard, but the, the reality is that the fruitfulness of it comes in the consistency with it. And so when people and, and same faces are going at consistently building rapport, particularly with the managers of these uh, establishments, uh, then they're welcomed in uh, to bring gifts and engage with um you know, women in, in, in those places. So, I mean, that would be an example of um, how we're looking to engage in unity with one another. And there's a number of churches that have adopted that ministry, if you like, uh, as part of their missional expression in their community. They're happy to champion it and they're happy to release women to it, uh, knowing that they're, that they're um, it's a trusted area um, there's clear checks and balances, there's accountabilities, um, and there's no effort to take people from your church uh, at all uh, because their, their purpose is mission. 
and uh, and just doing it together is 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 just a, a great delight. And so we've seen that flourish over the last twelve months in terms of mobilising Christians uh, into that space. That's really good. Yeah, I I um, I watched that video. I think Thursday or Friday when I was um, when I was uh, just looking at your website and just I saw that video. And I was just like, that is so cool to be able to to reach out because they're probably some of the most um, neglected and abused people and, you know, domestic violence, different things like that, that are, they're open to that kind of stuff on a more regular basis than the average person may be. So I think that's amazing. Just being able to, to set up a ministry like that, to reach out to people around, um, around you that yeah. need that, that help of, of minister. It, look, and, and churches can engage in, in that type of a ministry um, in many ways, whether that be prayer support, whether that be, um, you know, um, gathering gifts um, to take out when teams do site visits um, or releasing their people or financing it, just giving some a little bit of finance towards it. And, you know, those sort of kingdom partnerships, it, I, you know, I feel it's the future. Um yeah. You know, you know, we've been doing things by ourselves for a long time. Um, and, you know, somebody once said the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing, expect different results. Yeah. Um, so, you know, perhaps that, it, you know, for many of our churches uh, and church leaders, that it's, it will be those sort of kingdom partnerships um, that, that emerge that um, will just bring tremendous life um, into into what we're stewarding and what we're leading. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so pioneer, um, you know, for me, pioneer has been a, a three year kind of three and a half, almost four year journey with them. So how, how, tell us a little bit about your, your partnership and your, your journey with pioneer. Yeah, it was over a decade ago now. And, um, a good friend was leading the church that, um, we we're a part of. And um, uh, Billy was uh, in the city and uh, spoke at um, a gathering that he was hosting. Um, and Billy was just going through, um, you know, the the um, you know the key values of Pioneer. Yeah. And um, you know, I thought, oh yeah, relational, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Missional, yeah, I like that. Charismatic, yeah, I understand that. That's awesome. We need that. And then he spoke around that the, the whole deal of kingdom orientation, and I thought, I thought, wow, I, I've not heard um, of a network or a denomination that would, you know, pace that up and boast about that as this is a big deal for us. Yeah. And so it was there, and then I wasn't part of my friend's church. We just had a relationship in the city. I wasn't. You know, first time I'd met, I thought, wow, this is amazing. Um, that year, I think it was, later that year, I was over in England um, doing some other things and connected with Billy again. And, you know, then, you know, as we took on the leadership of that church and a few years later, um, you know, uh, myself and um, Caro, uh, one of the other church leaders, she leads a church down the Wollongong area. Uh, we thought, oh, well, let's go over. We'll go to the conference uh, over there, and um, let's see. Let's see if let, we'll meet a few of the people. Let's see if they are what they say they are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
yeah, we were very pleasantly surprised that they they um, they just talk about it, they outwork it, and uh, we were. I was greatly encouraged that um, uh, you know many of the uh, pioneer church leaders were engaged somewhere uh, in their city with the body of Christ, and um, many of them showing leadership uh, to unity movements and so on. And so you know those sort of things just synchronise um, for us really, really well, and. Uh, over the course of those, well, the last uh, eight years or so, we've um, we furthered a, a relationship with Pioneer that was already um, there, and so we just furthered it and formalised it a lot more. Um, to to now, there, you know, it's a it's a thing in Australia, a Pioneer Network. There's a number of churches that are part of it, and that were a part of um, my mate's um, network prior. Um, but you know, I think that the Pioneer Network brings something uh well there's no doubt the pioneer network brings something into the fabric of uh the body of christ that the body of christ needs yeah. um and so it's very it's wonderful there's you know everyone's looking for their place to fit um for their 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 tribe if you like yeah. and um you know so certainly um you know the the values and the distinctives that pioneer carry synchronize with um, many of us over here in australia and myself yeah yeah I, I i love the distinctives core values of pioneer but i love what they what they promote is dna is the same but our mode of operation the way we do things is different for everyone you know, it could yeah. be a, a, a 20 person home church or it could be a 300 person, you know, every Sunday night church. It could be a home group, but the, right. the DNA is the same. It's just we have different modes of how we reach the lost, how we preach the gospel, you know, different backgrounds. And, and I think it's such a diverse group of people. And for us, it was refreshing to find. And I think it's, I think we're starting to see growth with the, you know, we got some new churches, I think over in Kosovo, if I remember correctly, um, you know, there, the world is, uh, churches are looking for that. They're looking for good quality biblical DNA, but they're looking for um, the freedom to operate how God has called them to operate. Does that make, you know, it makes yeah. sense? Yeah, I think that's um, one of the beauties of the Pioneer Network. They're not um, trying to shape you into someone you're not yeah. or um, encourage you to become someone you're not. Yeah. Um, and I think that's um, it's beautiful, actually, um, that they're just encouraging you in your gift and your grace and what's on your yeah. life or what's on your church, your gathering in your community. And so that's probably one of the great distinctives, really, of the Pioneer Network that Many of the churches look really, really different, yeah, um, I mean, and it's all celebrated, it's all embraced, and um, and it all fits. Yeah, and, and so and that's, that's yeah, and that's what I love about it is you've got such a diverse group of people, but we can come together like you and I are and have so much agreement in what yeah. God is doing, what He's calling us to do, but how we're doing it. You know, your church reaching out to, you know. Um, you know, the Rahab ministry, we're doing essential pantry, we're, but we're meeting the needs of the people who are around us. And I think that's just, it's such a um, 
I, I like my wife and I were talking about this is the group of people we were meant to find and we're so grateful mm. for the group of people because we've been so encouraged by the leaders, the other leaders we've met, the, the people that are in the apostolic roles in our life and just being able to tap into those resources and having a not just a, a cookie cutter relationship yeah. where, hey, you're a Hillsong, you're a whatever, you know, everybody looks the same, sounds the same. And and in being these cookie cutter networks that trying to produce the exact same look and the exact same church and everywhere they go. And I'm like, but that doesn't, that's not a diverse group of people. That's just a, a, a mere image of what, you know, we started out with. And I think we need to find our own uniqueness and our own callings and our own um, identity in Christ as believers, but also as ministries and churches and say, Hey, Rick, you and I are, you know, we're in the same family, but we are two different people. We're two different ministries and we just, but we can love people the same way. And we can. Yeah, exactly. um, Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, when we look at the landscape of pastoral ministry, um, there's no doubt it, it, it can be, can be challenging, no doubt about that. And, and we're seeing, you know, an exodus from ministry and all sorts of different things. Um, so when we, when we try to become someone we're not, you'll, you'll wear out doing that. But when we're empowered and liberated into who we are and, and how God has gifted and graced us. Um, you know, it, it can be a source of a great source of life and empowerment um, and energy uh, for what the Lord's called us to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see. I think especially with in our culture and in the world in the last couple of years, we've seen so much uh, leadership burnout and fallout and and just destruction laid waste in, in a lot of churches and um because pastors are so held up so high that when they fall, it's like, you know, falling from heaven (laughs) and it's like, they've been held to such a high standard and such a, that they're almost not human. And that when something does happen or when they, they have um, so much pressure put on them that they're making these mistakes that because they don't have um, people to have that conversation with say, Hey, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling in my marriage, or I'm struggling with, you know, the pressure of trying to lead and lead well. Um, what, in yeah. your opinion, what do you think is, is one of the best ways to, um, to help a leader or as a leader to try to stay out of that, that, the that that mindset that can be so easily crept into as leaders yeah i I mean look it's a it's a challenging landscape and you you touched on a couple of things there and uh, you know to have some people that you can call on and talk to um linda ward leads the pioneer network australia based in ealing london and she's been wonderful uh to journey with and i think that we can sometimes particularly when the pressure's on um, and, and there might be a little bit of dysfunction emerging in, in our um, churches and relationally and so on, um, you know, we can tend to look down rather than look up and look out. And I think that these relationships are really important to include 
um, in whether that be our marriages or our personal leadership or our eldership structures or whatever boards or whatever it is uh, to help have an outside voice to speak into is very significant um, and needed. Um, and then I think as well, um, you know, look, relationally, um, things can get challenging and, um, you know, with people in the church and um, their expectations upon leadership or unrealistic expectations. So I think having constantly having those uh, conversations um, is, is really important. Inevitably, people will come and go. Um, and so if we can... Um, allow those comings and goings to be grace filled, um, then that's going to help uh, as well. And I think also that, um, you know, what, uh, the Sunday centric model of church um, can be difficult to keep up with. Um, yeah. You know, to put all your eggs into the Sunday and, you know, all your, all your investment into a Sunday. Um, you know, there may be a better use of your time and the stewardship of um, what you do. Uh, Sundays will just keep coming and uh, it can be difficult. Yeah. And as many church leaders know, Sunday's coming. And uh, many, as they listen to this, are probably preparing something for the Sunday coming. <laughs> um, and, you know, empowering other people with gifts in our body um, are really, really important. You know, we don't have to preach every week, for example. We don't have to do everything. Um, so allowing other leadership and people, persons are responsible, um, you know, great character qualities and love for the Lord to surface. And it may not necessarily be the way I would do it or you would do it, but um, inevitably something will emerge. And so, you know, I think being a little bit um, generous in our leadership um, will help us, um, knowing that Everyone has something to contribute. Um, and so if we see Sunday as a place of celebration and, uh, yeah, but Monday is just as important um, yeah. for those in our community. Um, that Monday to Friday uh, deal is, is, is a big deal. And so, um, you know, orientating, um, you know, for ministry throughout the week um, and, um, and communicating that to our believers in our midst is, is really, really important. Uh, and to encourage them in, in the things of God, that we are a body and we all have something to contribute. And um, what I contribute, well, there is a place for that and a need for that, but someone else in our community, uh, there's a great need for that as well. You know, so I think that the whole, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's the pastor's role and it's the pastor's job. And if we, you know, everything's going to rise and fall on the pastor, uh, well, there's truth in, you know, things rise and fall on leadership. Um, and so if we allow things to bubble up and surface up, we, sadly, um, you know, many pastors that um, are, are across the landscape, you know, have been, um, have had some relational challenges um, yeah. with people in their community. And, you know, what that can do is, you know, we can put walls up, um, we can, you know, the whole ability to trust other people becomes hindered um, and therefore we can contract and our life can be restricted to what's in our control and what we would want. 
And, um, you know, so I would encourage church leaders, if you're in that place, then you really need to talk to somebody and there's somebody in the Pioneer Network that will have a listening ear uh, to help pull you out of those places so that you can, we can all begin to lead um, from a whole place, a place of wholeness and healing uh, and liberty and freedom uh, as well and uh, and lean into the big, broad, broad, uh, broad landscape that the Lord has for us all. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, th- I I think that's what I love about Pioneer is they're not just there as a, a relational network um, to, hey, you're doing a good job. It's it, They're there for the hard times too, not just, oh, everything's good, everything's great. I think right. in church leadership, we have we tend to try to pretend like everything is okay and everything is good. But I, I think like knowing the people in Pioneer, they're there to listen to the struggles, yeah. the, the, the hard times and be able to give you wisdom and give you the, uh, and the wisdom of the Lord into those situations that you're dealing with, you know, like, yeah. you know, running things like I love working with my wife and being a leader with my wife, because it's not me going, Oh gosh, now what do I do? I go to her, this is, we both know the situation at church or what's going on in life. What are we going to do about this? Well, let's first pray. And then, okay, if we're not getting the answer, let's bring it to somebody who, first of all, has more wisdom than us and and allow them to, to speak into our life and say, what do you think about this situation? What, What are we missing? What are we doing? And I think, you know, so like you said, people in the network are there to, to reach out to when we are going through things and when we are struggling with things, if we need help. Yeah. Look, and, and, and they're likely to be in the fabric of the body of Christ in your city and community as well. And I think yeah. that that's one of the, one of the beauties of um, kingdom and unity is that you, you, you end up building friendships, relationships and friendships with other people, other peers uh, as well, trusted relationships form, um, and you can begin to do life as well. So, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously Pioneer bring that, uh, yeah. but it's also present in your direct community as well. And I think that's one of the beauties of unity. Um, one of the beautiful things that can emerge, uh, those deep trusted relationships and friendships. Yeah, that is true. I think finding those people, um, and, and oh, I know sometimes they may be few and far between, um, but they are there and people are looking for those relationships. People who want to have unity will look for those relationships. They will look for those times that they can partner and to work together and put the hand to the plow the same way that you are doing it. Um, and, and when we talk about biblical unity, you know, there it, it it talks about how good and how pleasant it is when the brothers are, are together in unity and i think that scripture is used out of context a lot of times because like we talked or said earlier it's about most of the time it's like oh there's unity in the church well we're not talking about the four walls that you attend every week exactly we're talking about we're talking about every church in your community saying we have a common goal we have a common purpose and i think that is is what Christ was trying to, to to or the Holy Spirit was trying to convey to us as we read when brothers and sisters are together in unity. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit more? 
Yeah, that's really, um, you've touched on something very powerful there. Um, and, um, you know, those of us in with marriages and kids, um, you know, we, we, we know what it's like to have um, any sort of um, disunity in the household and how quickly we would want to try to right those wrongs and build those relationships, even with extended family. And then often in our church communities, we speak from the context of church. Um, but, you know, the Bible's written to the church. Yeah. And um, I think it's really, really important that we always have that helicopter perspective of the kingdom. And because exactly what you said is, that the scriptures are written to the church, the body of Christ, you know, it was to the, ch- the, the, the Christians in Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Philippi, uh, and so on, the believers, all of them. And, um, and so we do want to foster that. Uh, the last prayer of Jesus was, Father, I pray that they be one so that the world would know and believe. And so the fruit of our oneness will be our witness to our communities. And I think the you know a good litmus test is how 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 are we relating to one another in our church communities to other church leaders and stuff that'll become our witness to our community, and then if we take it from a, a, a heavenly perspective and the Father, um, you know we talk about kingdom, uh, we talk about heirs, we talk about family, um, and I don't know a parent that doesn't want his family to get along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. A mother or a father that that um, don't want their kids to get along, don't want a great relationship uh, with their children, and I wonder if you know one of the great pains of our Father in Heaven is to see disunity emerge or present. Yeah. Um, and I just feel it's uh, it, it 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 would be the delight of our Father to see um, unity surface in a in in a beautiful way it will be beauty on the earth uh, established um, when we learn to get along with one another and work with one another or pray for one another and believe the best for one another of course we're all responsible for different um, people and so on uh, but we are in this together and I think that COVID surfaced that in I think it was mid 2020 the catch cry around the world was we're in this together and um I mean, look, we've always been in this together as the church. We may not have functioned well in that together, but I feel and sense that it would be the hope of heaven uh, that we learn to function well together. And functioning family um, would would be a good representation of the kingdom on earth. And uh, we can do that with one another. We should always strive for that in our own context, of course, our immediate context and what we're responsible for. But when that begins to surface in, in throughout the body of Christ in our cities and our communities, um, well, you know, I I think you're right. In, in you know, Psalm 33, the Lord commands a blessing. I think we'll be surprised by what the Holy Spirit might do uh, in our midst. And uh, you know, we're always doing what we can do. Uh, but I feel that um, perhaps that authentic community of unity um, will surprise us by the thing that God will surprise us and continue to surprise us um, because it, well, look, the blessings there. Yeah. And um, so I think it's a great challenge for us. Um, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a mandate. I think it's a calling for us all that we should actively participate and look to foster 
um, unity in our cities, in our communities, knowing that it's the last prayer of Jesus. And whilst we're always praying and asking God to answer our prayers, perhaps we can answer the last prayer of Jesus. Uh, and in doing that, discover the beauty of the church and the beauty of um, those that are called to uh, the purposes of heaven here on earth in our own direct, in our own communities and cities around the world. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I, 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 I find that, like, I've always wanted to partner with other churches. Like, we've wanted to get a, a, a council of churches or group of churches together and say, hey, how can we take care of the community? Where, where are your strong points? Where are, uh, where are your weak points? Where can we step in and where can we help, you know, provide for, you know, the people in their community? And I found that it's it's hard to get churches wanting to actually do that. And like going in and asking them, oh, hey, would you want to do this? Oh, no, we, we don't do that. And like, why not? Why would you not want to? I, I look at it and we have a town in the town itself is like just under a thousand people. And there's five or six churches within a mile of downtown <laughs> and trying to to get them to come together to do anything is like pulling teeth out, out of a rabid wolf. <laughs> and, and it's like, Oh my gosh. So we said, okay. So my wife and I were discussing this said, we've got to figure out a way to reach these people. So what are we going to do? We're going to write a letter. We're going to write it to all the churches. We're going to send it to them. Say, this is when we're going to have a quick meeting. If you would love, we would love to have you part of this, please respond and let us know. So I told my wife, that's what we're going to do. I said, whoever shows up, shows up. And whoever doesn't show up, doesn't show up. But I said, we're going to try to do the best we can for the, the community around us. And we've actually stepped out of our community and said, okay, where can we, where can we help serve our community with other churches? And there's a church that's in uh, an hour and a half away from us. And they have a program called City Serve. And they have their main, it's an Assembly of God church. And they have their main hub, and it provides most of the basic needs that any person would have for um, food, uh, household goods, uh, pantry goods, paper goods, whatever. And they have different churches around around the area that are pods. And if you need have needs in your area, you reach out mm -hmm. to that. And they're saying, okay, come talk to us. We'll get you what you need. And then you can supply it to the people that are in need. And I'm like, that's what we need for unity. When churches are different denominations and different groups that can bypass some doctrinal differences and mm. some style differences and say, there's people in need and we need to serve them first of all, before we get into an argument over doctrine or style of right. worship or whatever. And I think that's, I think that's what in our, in our culture in America, it's very much Lone Ranger churches. They may have four churches that are all their churches, but it's a Lone Ranger church. And a lot of times they don't work together very well. And I think we need to learn how to work together. If we can go to work and work a 40 right. hour week and work with other people around us in different cubicles and different desks, we as Christians should know how to do that better. And I think that's, it, it's, it's pitiful that we can't do that sometimes. Yeah. Look, I, I love the old parish model of church where we're pastoring communities and um and together we can you know that that mentality um is 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 really important that no we've got to pastor our communities um but it's you know then you come back to your immediate context of church life i mean yeah there's many people that 
won't engage in everything. Yeah. And so it is. So it is across the body of Christ, and um, you know, it, it it could be quite easy uh, to be discouraged in the landscape. But you, yeah, we don't need everyone, and and then those that can't enter for whatever reason. That's why I think, yeah, you know, the coffee and friendship and relationships really important place to start. Um, you know, sometimes we can start from a structural position or place, but the you know, just that relational place, <coughs> and those that don't want to enter in. Um, no problems, bless you, <laughs> and we'll and 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 pray blessing exactly. over them. Yeah, um, you know, it it, it it it's not necessarily uh, it, it it can say that we're against you, but it's not necessarily the way. Uh, and yeah. different people have different capacities as well. I mean, you yourself are bivocational, working a full time job, so you know, for you to take those sort of initiatives is huge. Um, it's it's massive. Um, and so not everyone has those sort of capacities, uh, but some do. Um, and, and my discovery is many in the Pioneer Network do, and they give leadership to things. Um, and I think it's, um, it, it would be very good of all of us in, in our um, pastoral church leadership responsibilities to give a portion of our time to this each week, um, whatever that might look like. Uh, and whatever you can contribute and doesn't yeah. mean you've got to go to everything and do everything but you can certainly be a part of something yeah i heard gerald coates i watched an interview with him and this was about five or six years ago i think he did this interview and he said pioneer churches tend to punch well above their weight and <laughs> that always stuck with me you know <laughs> and i said that's the kind of church i want to be I want to punch well above our weight. I want to be in a class. Yeah, we maybe always be a smaller church, but I want to be able to to do things that churches three times our our size can do, and to take care of our our the people around us and and to reach people and to do those things. And I think when we start to have a bigger vision is when we start to punch above our weight. Exactly. And I love what you talked about unity. Unity is not just, oh, we want to get all get along. Unity is a huge vision of we want to come together. It, and it's it's simple, but it's uh, it's a, a, a big call and it's a big task to bring people together and say, we may not all agree, but man, we can do, make a difference for mm. the kingdom, for the community and for the people in this community. Yeah, look, we're uh, relocating our church this year just down the road in the main street of Newcastle, and um, uh, I caught up with another minister um, who they're starting another expression of their church in the city straight across the road. And uh, I caught up with them just recently and walked through their new facility and uh, said, oh, look, we'll be across the road by the end of the year and so on. Yeah, And uh, it was magnificent. It, that um, that we could stand on the street and pray blessing over one another. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, because there's some relationship that's emerged, um, you know, just to have this open conversation, oh, Rick, you guys really reach into serving our communities really, really well. And, you know, it's not really us, but we, you know, we'd like to lean into that space and, um, and, and mobilize some of our people into that. Uh, would you yeah. be open to that? Well, of course we're open to that. And so, you know, it's it's interesting what can emerge just naturally um, if we're just in this posture of, um, uh, you know, we are in this together and, and it's really important that we begin to function well in this together. Um, and, you know, to see churches that might 
acquire new properties or to um, be baptizing people or people coming to Christ or whatever they're doing to celebrate that um, is, is, I feel, is really important. And it's easy. If we can celebrate that and, um, and, and be, pray blessing over that, then we'll liberate ourselves, actually. <laughs> uh, that's what will happen. Uh, we will liberate ourselves um, and what the Lord has on us uh, and and naturally we'll move into this bigger place of kingdom and city and, and unity. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I think if we want to see our cities changed, if we want to see our towns and our, our counties, exactly. and, and it, we have to do that. We have to um, find ways to have unity. It might be micro, small ways, but there's got to be ways. And I, I was telling my wife, I said, okay, if, if we can't get this church or that church to do it, I said, let's find other churches that are a little bit outside of our range right. of our town and say, Hey, we see you guys are doing something really, really good. How do we partner with you and help you make it better? And yeah. if they don't help us, that's fine. But if we can help them, reach the people that they're reaching and do it in a better way, not bringing light to ourselves, but just bringing light to their church and saying, these are the people that are doing it, but we can partner with you. We can yeah. give the, we don't want the credit. We don't want the glory. Glory goes to Jesus, but we want to help make what you're doing better. How can we volunteer our time and our people to, to do yeah. it in a, in a more excellent way into a, a, an extended way if we have to. Yeah, look, and it can be, it, 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 you know, it can start and emerge really, really simply just by inviting some people to a dinner um, or yeah. a luncheon. Um, and, you know, if you keep that posture of blessing, you you, you pay the bill. Um, yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's like that. It's, it's surprising what can emerge just through good fellowship and friendship. Um, and I, I wonder if that's that's part of the future, um, you know, rather than it being top down and, heavy on the leadership and structure and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, what might emerge just through some good friendships, you know, we took one of our pastors over to um, England last year, just to have a look around a few things, a few of them I took. And, um, you know, just from that, just a great friendship was established. And I would encourage, um, you know, many of us are like-minded in many, many ways. And so there's always learning you can do together. There's experiences that you can have together um, and travel really easy these days. So, you know, if you get away for a couple of days uh, with someone else or a week or two weeks, and it's amazing how that can solidify some lifelong friendships. And, um, you know, the church is, has always been present and the consistency of leadership in that space present, you, you know, was, is, is critically important. I believe that we're called to pastor our communities um, and, so for us to have healthy relationships and friendships emerge in that, um, it'll take time. Of course, it'll take time. Um, but yeah. good things will take time. And it may take a year. It may take five years. It may take 10 years. But we're in it for the long term. The church is in it for the long term. And so if we can even just foster that in our lay leadership and other levels of leadership in our church communities. Uh, yeah, there's a time in our church where we would bring up the faces of uh, pastors in our in our um, city, uh, we yeah. talk about them. Uh, this is so and so, and they're leading this church, and we're going to pray a blessing over them today. 
And so there are some really simple things that we can do that uh, cost us nothing uh, in many ways. And um, but there's an intent to outwork uh, our values and our distinctives uh, for us throughout our pi- the Pioneer Network. Wow, that hit that. But you said taking those pastors and praying for them. I, I feel like <laughs> there's this mentality of if you're not with us or you don't like us, you're against us. That mentality exactly. can creep in. And oh, wow. That's just like to lift up other churches and to pray with other churches or for other churches. And just to say, hey, I hope their Sunday service is well. I hope their leadership is is blessed. I hope, you know, God just be yep. with them. I think that is not just an act of, of unity or, or it's an act of humility that to recognize other churches in the area, not just, oh, we're the church or we're, we're the best church ever. You know, I went to a church one time and, and, and every time the pastor would get up there, he's like, you're the best church ever. And, and, and but the mentality of, of pride grew in the church that they were the best church and these other churches were not. And it's like that, yeah. that is so dangerous that we forget about the other churches. And when you said praying for the other churches, it was like, ah, oh, it just got me. I'm like, we need to start doing that. We need to, in our prayer time, start to lift up those other leaders, because if we want yeah. unity with them, then why are we not praying for them? Well, look, and, and and they're all called, they're all sacrificing greatly. They're all part of the mission that we're a part of. It yeah. costs us nothing. And then you can just message them. Hey, I just want to let you know, I hope you have a, a, a great week ahead. We just want to let you know we prayed for you in church yesterday or what, whatever it looks like. But there's some things that we can do that could potentially catalyze other things uh, for us in this space. Wow. Yeah, that. I've heard that before, but the Holy Spirit just stuck a little, a little poker <laughs> in me there and just. Uh, I'm like, yeah, yep, that's something we've got to start paying attention to and starting to be mindful of that we can, we need to be praying for these people, whether they like us or not. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, love them. And whether they're your enemy, if you're doing that for your enemies, you need to be doing that for the other churches in our, in our communities, in our, our regions. And so, yeah, that's, that's well, a, look, a really yeah. good thing. Uh, look, I mean, it, you know, we, we want... I think the expression of the kingdom on earth might be that everyone's flourishing. Yeah. And so um, if we're praying and believing that for other ministers, that they flourish in what they're called to, because um, that's the great hope. The manifestation of the kingdom on earth is, is flourishing communities. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that should be our hope. Um, now, some of us may not be at that place, but um, that's where we need to move to. Uh, and just by praying blessing over them, we'll just continue to liberate our own hearts and our own spirits and minds uh, to to that bigger, broader picture and vision that the Lord has for us all um, in, so in our good. towns and cities. That is so good. I love that. I just, yeah, I, I just, the Holy Spirit just kind of smacked me on the back of the head when you said that. I was like, oh, we got to start doing that a little bit more. So, yeah, that was really good. So, man. Yeah, I, I think first unity in our own body in our households in our churches and then say okay where do we where do we fight for that unity and i think we have to fight for that i think i don't think it's a, a something that just comes naturally i think we have to fight for that kind of stuff 
you know, we fight for our marriages. We fight for our kids to have good marriages, to, to have a healthy uh, body in, in the church and to have a healthy church. I think we have to even fight in a greater way for us to be able to come together saying, you're Presbyterian, you're Methodist, you're Catholic, you're Baptist, we're charismatic, whatever, we're non-denominational, whatever you call it. But we need to fight for this. We need to, to find value in it because absolutely the Holy Spirit's just is is throwing some curveballs at me right now and I'm trying to and hopefully I will remember these but yeah and I'm praying I remember these but man there's just so much that we can do when we partner together and just say it's not about our doctrine it's not about it's not about whether we have pews or chairs or hymnals or guitars it's a, it's about the work yep. of the ministry it's about what Jesus commissioned us to do and that is go and make disciples of all nations. Absolutely. We do need to fight for it. You're exactly right. There is a, it, there, it's a battle. Uh, and I think that um, sometimes the enemy's ploy and strategy can really, um, you know, so for example, if there's disunity in your church, you can feel like, oh, well, how can I do this? But there, I've seen many ministers, there's been um, times and seasons of disunity in the church, but they've been, uh, empowered and encouraged because of the unity of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so inevitably we experience times and seasons of dysfunction around, around unity, whether that be in our home, in our marriages or our family or our congregations or um, in the city. And so, you know, I think we do need to fight for it because we're prepared to fight for it in our marriages. We're prepared to fight for it in our, in our families uh, and, and our congregations and what the Lord's entrusted to us, well, what's we just need to steward that up and out. We should be prepared yeah. to fight for it in our cities, absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Pioneer Podcast. If you want to find out more about Kingdom Works, the Rahab Ministry, and what Rick Prosser's ministry is doing in Newcastle, you can find more information in the links below or in the description of this podcast. So until next time, God bless.